0: Have a good show, guys.
1: Blog Talk Radio.
0: Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Carrington, and you're listening to Call Talk for Wednesday, January 19th, 2011, the first of two sessions on workforce optimization. Analytics Demystified with special guest, Bill Durr. Today, for part one, we'll focus on the employee side of things and be ready to email... When we give you the word, the first five people to email me will get a free copy of Bill's latest book, Analytical Workforce Optimization Demystified. If you are listening live, we invite you to be part of the show and ask questions. It's really easy. Here's how you can do it. Email at calltalk@benchmarkportal.com at or chat with us on calltalk.tv. You can also ask us a question at 347 857 3117. Make sure to press the number one on your phone to let me know you have a question. And everyone who asks a question today through email or phone on the show will receive a free copy of Bruce's book, Benchmarking at its Best. And one person will be chosen at random to win an in depth reality check benchmarking report valued at $1,500. And I want to remind everyone that all of our shows are archived and available to listen to at calltalk.tv any time of the day. And now I'd like to introduce the host of Call Talk, Bruce Belfiore.
2: Thank you very much, Brian, and welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Today's topic is Workforce Optimization Analytics Demystified. Today we have brought in an expert on the topic for you, Bill Durr. Now, Bill is an icon of our industry and has held a variety of sales, marketing, and management roles for major contact center vendors and worked as a consultant for centers that are challenged with meeting their performance objectives. With more than 25 years in the market, he has practical experience with most contact center technologies, including workforce management. Bill Durr serves as principal solutions consultant for Varrant Witness Actionable Solutions and is frequently a speaker at industry events and is author of numerous articles and white papers on contact center technology and management. He's published four books, uh, speaking of which, as Brian Carrington mentioned, his most recent one, Analytical Workforce. Optimization Demystified, will be given to five lucky listeners a little later during our live broadcast.
3: Now, it's my pleasure to introduce Bill Durr. Well, thanks a lot, Bruce. I don't know that I've ever been called an icon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, uh, okay, we'll try not to be iconic class, right? Those are people <laughs> around smashing icons. We'll put you up on a pedestal, at least for this half hour, right? This will be
3: your 15 minutes of fame. Well, Bill, you know, we've known each other for a lot of years. Uh, How far back do we go? Uh, I'm not going to count the years, but I think uh, we first met in a small town called West Lafayette, Indiana, at an early Mm -hmm. uh, contact center conference in Purdue at Purdue University. You know, we were, uh, I think we were both much younger. I'm not necessarily certain we were any wiser.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, the wisdom of age. Well, as, as I recall, your title back then, uh, with Blue Pumpkin was Chief Evangelist, and you were speaking, or, or Bill, maybe I should say preaching at, at all the industry events. Um, as, as far as I remember, lightning never struck you down, so I guess you must have been telling the truth.
3: <laughs> well, you know, uh, it's true. I uh, At Blue Pumpkin, I was given the title Chief Evangelist, and I took it really quite seriously, and Blue Pumpkin was an interesting company uh, in its time. Well ahead of uh, of the thinking of most most vendors serving the contact center, so I got involved with workforce optimization pretty much at its inception through Blue Pumpkin. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, okay, good at its inception,
3: huh? Okay, so you're you're the father
2: of workforce optimization. Oh no, 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 no! <laughs>
3: I I want to disabuse that right up front. I'm, Um, I I don't claim the paternity of workforce optimization. Uh, Smarter people than I were involved in in its creation. You know, actually, Bruce, the the name workforce optimization was not conjured up by any vendor whatsoever. It was uh, some of the big industry consultants and gurus, the Gartners, the Saddle Tree Researchers, the Frosts and Sullivans, uh, they Mm -hmm. began to see that... uh, standalone disparate solutions that um, had typically been employed in contact centers were beginning to be um, integrated and unified, and it wasn't being driven by the vendors. It was being mm-hmm. driven by the customers, the people who run contact centers, because they were simply tired of dealing with all these different applications, different databases, different versions of the truth. hmm
2: yeah, so in fact, it's something that's really gotten around quite a bit, and as you say, it's driven by those centers in particular who want to uh, get better and sort of push the envelope on things. Well, in fact, does the contact center start with a particular element of workforce optimization, or uh, can you give us a little bit of your idea of how it all begins?
3: Well, sure. Um, these days, uh, I should point out the term workforce optimization continues to evolve. It's it's a living, breathing um, subject area. So these days, workforce optimization includes applications like call recording and quality monitoring, and workforce management, those are the maybe the cornerstones, but it also includes um, um, applications that sometimes you don't ordinarily find in contact centers, but you probably should. So like scorecards, uh, performance management, e-learning, And Mm -hmm. then um, some of the really new hot technologies that um, are creating quite a bit of buzz in the industry, customer feedback management, speech analytics, text analytics. Um, And we're going to be talking about those customer-focused elements of workforce optimization uh, next month when we do uh, part two. So Mm -hmm. for, for most contact centers, they get involved with workforce optimization when they make a decision to do call recording and quality monitoring or when they make a decision to do uh, forecasting and scheduling.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And many of those in the first category you were talking about don't necessarily think of it that way, do they? They think they're just doing quality. Uh, the people in the uh, scheduling side think that they're just sort of optimizing, uh, you know, rear ends and seats. But uh, w- we're really talking about something different here, aren't we?
3: Yeah, we are because um I I see that contact centers kind of go through a, a kind of a learning evolution about these tools and applications and and it makes really I think fundamental good sense for people to focus on the quality monitoring um process and for people to focus on the forecasting and scheduling process because those those applications, those processes are are not really very simple and Um, the more you focus on them, the better you become at at doing them. That said, um, what we began to see, what the Gartners and the Frosts began to see is that these silos, these functional silos inside contact centers, while they're a good thing for a while, ultimately they become roadblocks to continued improvement in performance
1: because
3: of what you just said. The people in quality monitoring just are solely focused on that, and they really don't maybe care is too harsh a word, but they don't seem to care about the other elements of what's going on in the contact center. The same can be said for people in forecasting and scheduling. They're mostly concerned with getting the forecasts right and making sure that people adhere to the schedules that they Generate and they're not really concerned with some of the other things. So the the, the silo approach ultimately becomes an anchor um, mm-hmm. on on the good ship call center. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, it,
2: it kind of holds things back. Uh, I can see that absolutely. Where if, if you put a lens on, on uh, okay, we're talking about workforce optimization, right? So it's the workforce that we're talking about optimizing. And and I imagine, you know, you're really trying to uh, optimize their capabilities in, in the call center, right?
3: Right. And and a common mistake that a lot of people make when they first start thinking about workforce optimization is that, that it's all about optimizing the employees, the agents. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a harsher term, it's it's sweating the labor force, getting more out of them. Um, mm. And, of course, if that's what you want from workforce optimization, you can get that. But you just said it's about the workforce, and, and a very neglected part of the workforce are the team leaders and the supervisors right out on the mm-hmm. production floor and workforce Amen. Op- yeah, workforce optimization gives them some tools that they 've never had before that really can transform their jobs and they can really become business people instead of forgive me I uh, often Refer to supervisors and team leaders as nannies they're they're more concerned with the uh, emotional well being of of the agents under their charge. That's a good thing to do, but they're really not business people and they're not developing um the staff the way they should right right okay well, uh, let's see. I think Brian may have a question for you that's come
2: in, so Brian, take it away.
0: Okay, I sure do, and uh, need to remind everyone once again that you can ask your questions as well. very easy. I know we have some uh, phone callers from Oregon and St. Louis, Missouri, to name just a few, so feel free to hit the number one on your phone and we can talk off air and uh, go over a question. Also, uh, quite a few people logged into calltalk.tv. so right there in the chat, uh, send me a question. I'll make sure to get that in. This one has already come in today for the email, this comes from Leslie, and uh, she asks, "You have a special background?" In workforce management, it sounds like. So what are some of the reoccurring issues in workforce management?
3: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, anytime you get a group of workforce management people together, there's almost always um, two issues that come up, and it's always a contentious discussion. Those issues are what service level should should we try to be attaining? And the other one, maybe even more contentious, is what what goal should we set for schedule adherence? These mm. things can, these things can be debated endlessly. Um, but, you know, the, unfortunately, uh, for very many contact centers, they don't debate these things at all. They, the service-level goal came to them in a Chinese fortune cookie 15 years ago. No, <laughs> no, nobody's ever thought uh, why the goal exists or if there's a better, more appropriate goal. The same can be said for schedule adherence.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think those are great points. And on the uh, first with regard to uh, service level, you know, the old 80-20 rule is something that's so ingrained in so many minds, uh, 80% within 20 seconds. Uh, But, you know, the question is why? And uh, we uh, sort of encourage people to look at two other variables. One is, how is the rest of your industry performing on those? And uh, because, let's face it, uh, Bill, there are different expectations on service level in different industries. If I'm calling my monopoly uh, supplier of electricity, then I might have a different expectation than if I'm calling a, uh, a catalog house where if I don't like the service I'm getting, I can you know put down the phone and call somebody else at the drop of a hat. And, and so knowing how you compare benchmarking, your service level against uh, the rest of your industry is a really good way of setting a realistic target that makes sure that you're not overdoing it or underdoing it, but you're in line with your competition. Yeah. And um, the 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 other thing is you were talking about, uh, you know, well, the, the other thing is to do a correlation with customer satisfaction and say, okay, uh, we want to uh, satisfy our customers. We also want to make sure that we're optimizing use of our sales force and or our, I'm sorry, our uh, agent force, and we're not costing the company too much. Well, you know, maybe five more seconds or, you know, ten more seconds don't have any impact on customer satisfaction. Maybe it does, but you need to do those
3: analyses
2: to find out.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, you reminded me um... Last year sometime, one of the big analyst firms um, released a report where they, they were working with a big wireless telecommunications provider. Um, and what, what they did was they, they did callbacks, phone surveys to callers into this wireless telecommunication company. And they were simply asking them about their queue experience. Um, and what they found out was, was a little bit shocking, but it was to your point. When when the caller got answered almost immediately, they experienced a little higher satisfaction than otherwise. Um, But when they got put into queue, what was interesting was the goal that they had set for themselves um, could have been extended uh, by several um, multiples without impacting customer satisfaction negatively at all. And so the, the analyst company turned around to the wireless telecommunications provider and said, look, it's great that you set the service level goal for yourself, but you're not buying yourself any satisfaction from your customers by struggling to meet it. You can back off, save yourself some money, and give up nothing in terms of customer satisfaction. And more and more companies should, should take a look at that, at that very value proposition and the information that they need to look at is in their call abandonment reports. hmm mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's right. Because those people who get frustrated are going to abandon, and uh, that's uh, an excellent way. If you start getting those abandon rates above five percent or whatever it is in line with your industry, uh, then you know you're not hitting it. But if you're, you know, you're not getting that, then uh, you know why pay for your Cadillac service when uh, something a little bit less will make people just as satisfied. Exactly yeah yeah okay well no great great point and uh one that uh I can see there being these uh discussions internally. I've seen them myself, and uh oftentimes going on and on we we uh looked at one report that uh, included uh this the metric service level et cetera. It was kind of hard to read the report, so we asked about you know why this report was being done and why people were following it and they said, well you know Dave asked for that report, well, can we talk to Dave about it? Well, they retired five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and I think that one of the points that's uh, in what you were talking about, Bill, is it's always a good time to do um, spring cleaning on reports and on the metrics, you know, taking a second look at the metrics you're actually following uh, to see if you're gathering them the right way and you're using them the right way. So oh, uh, exactly. work with optimization, I'm sure that's uh, something you see all the time. Sure it is. Good, good. Ryan, we've got another question.
0: Yeah, and actually this is in line with what you guys were just talking about regarding uh, industry data. Uh, This one comes from Edward, and he asks, where can we access industry data to benchmark within like companies?
3: I bet you could answer that, Bruce.
2: (laughs) That's right. Well, uh, Edward, it's uh, something that we've been doing for 15 years now, and uh, be happy to uh, to help you out there. We do um, uh, with the Center for Customer-Driven Quality, which was founded at Purdue. We're able to provide uh, uh, the b- basic benchmark uh, studies uh, without cost, and uh, that's one way that you can get these uh, these metrics. And it is very valuable to have them because we oftentimes meet people who are getting pressure from the higher-ups to meet certain standards that are not realistic or not even necessary in the best interest of the company. And uh, so by looking at your competition through benchmarking, uh, you can get a better idea of where you stand. So we'd be happy to help you out with that, Edward, right up our alley. (laughs) Did you want to add anything to that, Bill? Bill?
3: Well, I'm a big believer in, in benchmarks, external benchmarks for things like um, service level and um, cost per call and, and things of that nature. That uh, those kinds of metrics are kind of transportable between companies and even sometimes across vertical industries. I also mm-hmm. am a pretty big believer in internal benchmarks. So, mm-hmm. you know, one of the one of the questions I see contact centers struggle with is, well, how much performance can we rationally expect from one of our employees and Mm -hmm. and I think maybe you can't look outside the company for an answer uh, to that kind of a question you need to look at your employees Uh, you'll see a range of performance you'll see some superstars you'll see the vast uh, average middle and then you'll see some people who appear to be struggling and so the internal benchmark comes from those superstars they're doing your work, they've gone through your training. They're achieving a, a, a high performance level. That's a good, useful internal benchmark for agent performance. mm
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
3: And and then you can get the elements to coach toward and to
2: motivate those folks you were talking about earlier, the uh, team leads and the supervisors in particular, to uh, you know help uh, mentor and coach people toward that higher level of uh, of performance. And uh, oh, by the way, just a little parenthesis: if you happen to be able to uh, include a monetary or other benefit, uh, an advantage for the high performers, then that's a great thing too. I'll close that parenthesis. <laughs> yeah. um, good, good. Uh, Brian, do you have another question?
0: I sure, I sure do. All right, this one comes uh, from David, and he asks, well, "What's different about quality management?" in a workforce optimization environment?
3: Mm, good question. Yeah, that, that's a good question. That's one, yeah. Yeah, so within a workforce optimization um, infrastructure environment, if I can string all those words together, um, we have this notion of a performance management scorecard. Uh, mm. One of the reasons why workforce optimization – Um, is predicated on all the applications being very, very tightly and deeply integrated um, has to do with this scorecard. And so all the applications are dumping information into the Mm scorecard. And this really transforms the coaching process because the supervisor or team leader can sit down in their cubicle, bring in the agent that they want to coach, bring up the agent's scorecard, discuss how they're performing against key performance indicators uh, for which goals have been established, how they're performing against those goals, and have, I think, much more relevant, much more meaningful conversations about performance. And then, then the magic can really happen. Um, You have to see it to to really appreciate it and believe it, but you can actually click a button on the scorecard, and up will pop up a list of recorded conversations for that agent. And and I've seen this done. The supervisor can turn to the agent and say, pick one of those and let's listen to it together, and I'll go through how I scored this. And you can see up close where you are doing well and where you um, have room for improvement the immediacy of, of of that kind of thing in a coaching environment really changes the coaching experience for both people tremendously.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and uh,
2: Bill, there, there are those situations where on top of the opinion of the supervisor or the QA person, there's also the input from the customer themselves or the caller themselves so that you can add the way that call was rated by the customer uh, and uh, right down to the agent level, so the agent can actually see the scoring of the customers on specific calls. Uh, is that something that you've also witnessed?
3: Exactly, and um, it actually it kind of um, illuminates um, a bit of a problem with quality monitoring Everybody understands quality monitoring is kind of an internal process. Mm -hmm. Um, And what you just talked about, adding customer feedback um, to the process, transforms it because whether or not it was really a quality interaction, I don't think can be determined by anybody in the company. It can only be determined by the customer. And so customer feedback uh, taps into that direct commentary from the customer and then you can correlate it back to what the internal quality monitoring team is doing. And and so I pose the question often if if a bunch of customers said Bill the Agent is really fantastic and I love interacting with them, but the internal quality monitoring team seems to think that Bill the Agent is only mediocre at best, who do you believe? <laughs> That's right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, believe the customer. The customer is always right. Exactly. And, uh, and
3: so it's, it, it's time then for the quality monitoring team to stand back and take a look at the things that they're judging agents on and reconsider whether they matter to customers or not. Mm. In fact, uh, one of the things that we have
2: advised uh, some centers to do is to divide the quality function conceptually uh, as well as functionally into two Parts. One is uh, soft skills, customer perception type of stuff, and on the other hand, adherence to, um, you know, to, to process procedures and uh, whatever the company line is on the other side. And the first is an area that you can entrust to the customer to figure out and to score you on. And as long as you have some sort of a system, which can be an immediate email system or a post-call IVR system or something that will get you back reliable data uh, quickly right down to the agent level, then uh, that's what the customer is good for. And the nice thing, Bill, they'll do it for free. (laughs) I mean, you have to put in the system, but, uh, you know, you'll have a certain percentage of people who will agree to take these surveys. Certainly not the majority, but a a significant minority uh, should be able to do that. And on the other hand, the uh, internal QA people can concentrate at that point on the adherence to policies, procedures, the correctness of the answer, as opposed to, uh, you know, things like friendliness or, or other attributes that are best uh, figured out by the uh, the customer.
3: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. <clears throat> and what, what some organizations are, are starting to um, confront is the fact that, yeah, the agents are following the policies and procedures as established um, faithfully, but these policies and procedures are customer hostile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's a very good thing to understand and find out, because in this day and age, being customer hostile is probably not a good strategy.
2: No, bad strategy, bad strategy. And actually, the, that term, customer hostile, I mean, you we obviously have uh user friendly uh this is just the opposite and uh unfortunately we do see those procedures in places um and and sometimes it's as easy as uh, people inside the call center looking at that feedback and talking to each other and coming up with uh you know what we could be doing it this way instead of that way okay let's do it um we've seen that many times too so
3: I, once okay was on a, I was once on a conversation with an agent and a, a problem. I won't identify the company. They said, I'm sorry, I can't fix your problem, but I am authorized to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> I like
2: that. Can I use that phrase?
0: <laughs> I like it, too.
2: My, ne- my next speech. Uh, Brian, you have another uh, question for us?
0: Uh, yeah, I do. That's going to be hard to follow that up. I like it, too. Um, okay, this comes from Rosemary, and uh, she asks, is there an application within workforce optimization that isn't appreciated enough?
3: Well, yeah, I think there is. I'm not sure my colleagues would agree, but I think it's the scorecard application. And it's because probably we've chosen the word scorecard and that so that, that brings connotations into everybody's mind because we all went to school um, and we all got report cards and um, and it was just you know occasional feedback once in a while every six weeks or a couple times a year whatever the case was and I don't know about you guys but my report cards weren't all that weren't all that good so it was always a traumatic event when I brought it home um, I don't believe that. <laughs> uh, no, it really was. <laughs> but th- I kind of already alluded to this. The, the scorecard application inside WFO is way more than just a report card. It actually is that, a front-line um, management tool that allows them to coach their employees more effectively um, and also to understand what's going on in the contact center at large, what's going on um, on a site basis, on a team basis, It becomes an analytical tool in and of itself. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, Uh, and it uh, provides that information that oftentimes is, uh, you know, people are in the dark, both managers and agents themselves, with regard to what's going on and how they're doing. And uh, it just sort of brings a lot of uh, good transparency to the whole situation, doesn't it?
3: Uh, Yeah, I agree. So many contact centers are... Um, They churn through the reports and process them. And so the information they get about what happened is, um, you know, last week's information. So Mm -hmm. I, I, I kind of make an analogy that trying to run a contact center with this retrospective look all the time, sometimes a week or a month into the past is like trying to drive down the freeway with your with your windshield papered over and you're only using your rear view mirror. <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, having the information right down to the level of the person who's expected to, to uh, turn out the performance is so important because we've seen uh, that, um, you know, uh, if they are given the information, then they know what they need to improve on. And uh, it just puts more, it empowers them, and at that point they know what they need to do to get better, and in certain cases to make
3: more money as well. So, uh, yeah, no, I great inf- I agree, Bruce. In, in the absence of feedback, uh, appropriate, timely, consistent feedback, most people are going to assume that they're performing a little bit above average unless they have psychological issues.
2: Right, right. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. Well, listen, on that note, we've uh, the the half hour has just flown by, and I want to thank you, Bill, very much, uh, Bill Durr, It's always a pleasure to to talk with you, to to hear you give speeches, and to uh, to read your books. And uh, with that, I'd like to also thank our listeners and hand things back to Brian for the wrap up.
0: Thanks, Bruce, and uh, once again, Bill, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to uh, the next session with you, uh, so that will be really exciting. Now, uh, for the listeners, remember when I mentioned we are going to give away five of Bill's book, Analytical Workforce Optimization Demystified? Well, now is the time. Here we go. The first five people to email me with the topic line of WFO will be the winners. So send it to brian at benchmarkportal.com, and please include your shipping address so we can get you those books. Now, this is new. I was just authorized to offer a 50% discount to our workforce management course in Las Vegas, January 27th and 28th. Now, if that would fit your schedule and something you want to do, be the first person to put class in the topic line, and you'll get that one, brian at benchmarkportal.com. So good luck. Keep in mind, this giveaway is for our live listeners only. Now, time to give away the free in-depth reality check to the one listener who asked a question today, and that one goes to Edward. All right, congratulations, Edward. Send us an email, and I'll uh, contact you and uh, let you know how you can take advantage of the free in-depth reality check. Now, I want to thank everyone for listening in. It's been a very good show, and also... Definitely don't forget to sign up. We do have a free reality check benchmark report just to get an idea of how your call center compares to others in the industry. And our in-depth reality check benchmark report takes a much deeper dive into call center metrics. It is free. And again, Edward, you're the one today. So from all of us here at Benchmark Portal, asking you to keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready, this is Brian Carrington signing out. Have a great day.